Welcome back for another episode of the Happy at Work podcast with Laura, Tessa, and Michael. Each week, we have thoughtful conversations with leaders, founders, and authors about happiness at work. Tune in each Thursday for a new conversation. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone. And today I'm very excited to introduce Charlotte Lockhart from Four Day Week Global. She's the managing director and co founder. Charlotte, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be talking to you too. Oh, we're excited to have you. So let's just jump right in for the the brief amount of time we have together. Uh, Charlotte, could you tell our our audience members about your career journey and how that led to you becoming the managing director and co-founder of Four Day Week Global? How did how did we get here? How did we get here? Very good question. Well, uh, so I've spent um, a reasonable amount of time working in legal and the finance industry and uh, found myself uh, in Perpetual Guardian uh, in 2018 when we launched the four-day week there, where Andrew Barnes, the owner of four-day week, of of, uh, Perpetual Guardian, had read an Economist article about productivity in the workplace and how low it was. And he was like, mm, why is that happening? And and is that happening in our business? And what would we be able to do that might make a change? And so he came at it from, from that perspective. And so we ran a very successful pilot, realistically just looking at productivity in the workplace and how if we reduced work time and gave people to more time off with that, fix that. And as we went through that journey and we had academics follow the the, the pilot, um, it, it became clear there were so many other benefits that came out of it. But there were also so many people that were very interested in what we were doing. Uh, as we traveled the world back in those days when you could travel easily, um, we just had we had companies and academics and uh, government people and other, other lobby groups uh, just want to have a conversation. So we formed Four Day Week Global really as a vehicle to house all of those conversations. And through that time, so we did that in 2019 then we had all a pandemic <laughs> which really changed the conversation about the future of work it put it the, the conversations and your, your listeners will, will, will know these conversations were happening in a smaller scale prior to the pandemic but of course the pandemic has really put that at the forefront and so that whole conversation about the four-day week has also ended up at the forefront of that um, and so now we run pilot programs around the globe, helping companies shift to some form of reduced hour work week, whether it's a four day or just a 32 hour week. So, Charlotte, I have heard of the 80-20 rule, but I understand there's something called the 180 rule. So can you explain to us what that is? Yes, so it's called the 180-100 principle, actually. Um, And so what we're saying uh, with what what we advocate for is that you pay 100% of someone's income. They work 80% of the time, but the contract is that they give you 100% of the productivity that you had prior to them reducing work time. And so you're paying for 100% productivity and you're leaving the time element 
out of the conversation. Uh, and the perfect example of this is um, returning parents, mostly mothers, um, who negotiate themselves a four-day week on an 80% package and still give 100% of the job. So I, I use that as the ultimate example of how that gets wrong, um, but actually it's about. So that's what the 180-100 is based on. We came up with it because, of course, not everybody can do a four-day week. Not every business can. I can't close my business on a Friday. And so this is about finding a way of people understanding that the conversation is about reducing work time in some form, but the productivity and the income are the things that stay the same. It's awesome. So what would you say? I mean, it's probably pretty obvious, but why would you say this is such an important topic now and, and that everybody wants to learn about it? Look, we were having lots of conversations prior to the pandemic, but the, it's a, it's a, an important conversation now because their workplace is changing. And so therefore, our opportunity to change it to something truly meaningful, the opportunity that we have now, I think, is, is clear. Um, but it adds into all of the conversations we're having about workplace well-being or, or well-being in general, mental health and physical. Um, and so, you know, from my perspective, I you know often sort of say so many people lost their lives or lost their health through the pandemic. What are we doing to honour them and honour the sacrifice that was made? And by really shaking up the workplace and putting it um, 21st century ready and moving it forward is probably, and from my perspective, one of the best ways we can honor the sacrifice that people have made. That, uh, that's so well said. And uh, that, that leads into my next question. Uh, obviously, you know, Tessa and I are, are in this space all the time from teaching the positive workplace at Harvard. And the more people I meet, so many people, I mean, I'm talking 90, 95% super unhappy at work, just unhappy, of multiple reasons. Why should businesses care about a four-day work week from your perspective? They should care because it's going to ensure. So, so to be clear, at, at its heart, what we train and help businesses with is actually understanding what their productivity truly is and how can you improve that. And when you have an ability to improve your productivity, especially since we're looking to be going into a recession, so now is a really good time to be clear about improving productivity. Uh, if, if we're going into a, a, a way, a time of moving forward, it's just important for us to be looking at the workplace well-being of our people. We know that when your staff are happy and contented and, uh, and, and find their place in their workplace, they're actually more productive for you, right? So there's, there's a true economic argument for having a, a great workplace and having and caring that your people want to be there because then they will be more productive when they're there. But they also won't necessarily leave because we all know how expensive it is to replace people. We all know the cost of recruitment. So the number one reason for companies joining our pilot programs around the globe is to attract and retain great staff. And so, you know, we've got these 
quietly quitting and great resignation and, and all that sort of stuff. And we also know, and I won't be telling your listeners anything that they don't know, Gen Z and, and the millennials, they don't want to work the crazy hours that we, I'm a Gen X, that what we, so you've got quietly quitting, great resignation, all those other things, and given names by the millennials and the Gen Zs, we gave a name to something called burnout, Right, and they're our children, and they they look at what we did, and they go, "I don't want that. I want to have a meaningful work life. I want to matter at work, but I recognise that I also have to matter to myself and to my family. I have to matter to my community. I have to matter outside of work. And if we think about as human beings, who we really are." We are not just something that works. We are we are all of this. We are a person. We are a member of a family or a community. We are members of society. We have civic duties. And I and an example I use of that a lot is that you know so you know in 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 my generation, um, fathers around the globe belonged to Rotary. Um, and of course now, and, and, and of course in subsequent generations also mothers. But Rotary struggles to get people to join their 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 clubs and be participant because we just don't have time. But if you think about it, what does what does losing something like Rotary mean? And so an example of that is Rotary cured polio around the world. Right, Rotary decided that polio, there was a, an ability to vaccinate against it, it was going to take charge of this, and they cured polio globally. So if we look at what is the society that we're wanting to create and where does business sit in that society, it's actually understanding the overall picture. But at its heart, it makes economic sense to reduce work time. I think that is um, so beautifully put, Charlotte. And um, in my uh, experience as a professor, both Michael and I have taught at uh, Halt International Business School. So our classrooms have been filled with students from 100 different countries around the world. And I remember I had a guest speaker who was president of a consumer goods company, and he was talking about his experience and so forth. And um, so a student asked, an international student had asked him, and he was in uh, Chicago, so North American based, asked him, so what is the, you know, kind of ideal work-life balance that you've been able to achieve in your career? And he said, you know, when I hit about 50 hours a week, that's a great balance for me. If I'm working 50 hours a week, I feel like, you know, I can manage my family. I'm doing what I need to do at work. That's a great number for me. And when the call ended, the Zoom call, because he was virtual, um, and I was looking at my class, I'm like, okay, so what's the major takeaways? They had just spoken to this president of this very large multi-billion dollar company. All the international students were like, he works 50 hours a week? <laughs> they could not believe he worked 50 hours a week. They've never heard of that. So I'm really curious from your perspective, having done these global trial experiments, there are certain cultures that don't work all the time, that take siesta or, to, you know, have time that's focused on family, that don't work the crazy hours that might be seen in London or Boston or in New York. 
Um, and so what have you learned so far having done these global trial experiments? So what we've learned is that companies function better when people work less. And it seems like such a crazy idea. And 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 I'm amused that people think I'm I'm assuming from your um example that they were surprised that it was only 50 hours a week. As no, opposed to- they were surprised that he actually saw 50 hours a week as being balanced they thought okay. that's like way too much to have to yeah, work right to have balance and so and and it's but it's quite interesting because of course what in his life allows him to do that um and you and you structure it and I'm going to and 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 I'm going to offend a whole pile of people uh he's probably got a wife at home managing the family Right. So he can manage his family because someone else is managing the family and he can manage popping in at the times when it's available to him. And he's, you know, by working 50 hours a week, he's probably spending good amounts of time with his family. But he is someone else is managing the day to day running of it. Um and one of the things that I'm very interested in with our research um, and the data that we've had from the US and Irish pilot is a little bit too small, but we've got our, U- our UK pilot data coming, um, being released at the end of February. Um, and I'm interested to see whether the care responsibilities shift because so just sort of to get onto the, the 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 gender thing for a bit, we've done so much to pull women up in the workplace and give women equal opportunities to engage with the workplace. What we're not doing as much, and I think the thing for the for the twenty first century for the next decade is what we've got to do is encourage men out of the workplace. So we've got to give men the same. So one of the great things about the four-day week or, or a 32-hour work week and normalizing that is we're actually making it normal for Mr. 50 hours a week to actually be the one that picks the children up from school or takes them to school in the morning or is the one that is that is called for when an elderly parent needs a bit of extra help. So we are running uh, you know that sort of conversation in it, and and as business leaders, I, you know, I, I, I speak all the time to business leaders, and one of the things I say is we need to remember that we borrow our people from their lives, and I think that's the key at, at its point. And when when you give someone, so if someone comes to work and they're happy to be there, and they're very clear about what the productive output that you're wanting from them because you've got clear guidelines as to what productivity looks like in the business, then they feel really topped up when they come to it. Work energizes them. And actually one of the and one I love, one of one of the number one pieces of feedback that people say to me when um when they go onto these pilot programs, they go, oh God, I love this is so these are managers. I love coming to work now because everyone's so happy and so engaged. So Actually, you know, you know, back to the previous question, why is it important for business? Don't don't you want to go to a workplace where you're, you know, as a business leader, your management around you are all really happy to be there and they're enjoying it? I had a a a, a, a team leader at a, at a large media organization that piloted it, and she you said that the, her day usually was just around managing her people and managing her staff, and then she did her work 
on the train home and and at nights in the evening because and she said when she put the four day week into her into her unit business unit she got her work done during the day because her people took responsibility for their own jobs they were happy to be there they were clear about what they needed and they didn't have to keep coming to her whinging and whining or needing feedback you know they stopped being three-year-olds and started being (laughs) 30-year-olds Oh, I love that. I I love the borrowing people from their lives to work, right? I think that's such an important paradigm shift for those of us who might be a little bit older, right? Because it was work first. And then you try to cram in your life to that. And I think that's just such an important shift for us to make is that our life should be first and then we can fit work in. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm curious about when you implement or work with your, you know, cut the companies that you work with, when you try to implement four-day work weeks, what are some of the things that you have them think about from an operational perspective for sure, but also culturally? The culture part I'm super interested in understanding. Yeah, look, um, so I it's best ex- a best example is 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 to explain to you what happened when Andrew Barnes first told our people that we were going to do a four-day week. So he says to them, you know, I, I, I want you to be more productive and I've got this idea. And I so we're actually going to reduce our business down to four days. There was deathly silence, because of course everybody's like, and he says, but I'm going to pay you for five. And there was still silence, and then a very nervous giggle. Because people were like, I did even I have no idea what you mean. Well, how is that even going to happen? And then as people start to think it through, you've got, well, so first of first off, I had a whole pile of returning mothers that said to me, right, I know how to do this. <laughs> uh, we, you know, I can I can make this work, no problem at all. But then people's the cogs in people's heads starts start to turn and they begin to understand you know, what might be some of the positive things, but actually then start to get a little fearful of of of, of the what might some be the practical steps. And so it, when you run, so this is why we run pilot programs, because it's really important to try it first and nut out some of those cultural things. But but first and foremost, you have to have a half decent workplace culture at the beginning. Because this is not, if you've got bad workplace culture, you've got different problems because it's a trust model. I am going to trust you to work with your um, team leaders and the management team to fully review your job, review productivity, and establish whether what we're measuring you on now works or whether we need to have different ways of managing. Um, And you as the employee are going to trust us that this is actually not some pathway to layoffs. Okay, so because if you think about it, if you get in a big um, fancy um, uh, consultancy firm and to, to to improve productivity within the business, you say, hey, guys, we've got this great big um, firm, a big international firm in, uh, and they're going to help you be more productive. All that people hear is that you want me to do more with less and layoffs are on the way. But when you say to people, hey, guys, let's try and improve the workplace so that if you, we can be more productive at work, you can go home. Then people go, you know what, I can buy into that. And so what people then start looking at is what in their job role is meaningless, doesn't 
add to the productivity is I know we've done it that way because that's the way we've always done it. Um, and they start to review what's in there. And there are there are things in everybody's job role that they know actually probably is a bit of a time waster. And, and for most office-based jobs, it's meetings. Um, but but when they actually start looking at what they're doing and really a, a, going digging down to it they start to see stuff that they just didn't even know was there because parkinson's law says that work expands to the time that you make it available to make it happen so when you when you reduce the amount of time then people actually look for and find and what what our research um, says is that people are actually less stressed in the workplace when they work less hours because we've taken them on a process where they're clear about why they're there, that reducing, fitting all of that work into less time actually isn't more stressful because actually what they're swapping out is busyness for productivity. And so I think, so so culturally, it starts to really mix up what you're doing in the workplace. And so you end up with a whole bunch of very happy people one of the other things to just be mindful of is often middle management get a little bit scared and a little bit unsure. And so there's a, some cultural stuff that you need to run around that. And the reason why that is largely is because, let's face it, most middle managers are just simply somebody who's been in the job long enough to have got the job. Um, you know, you get promoted up because of the amount of time that you've been there or a certain amount, but you haven't necessarily been given any management skills. And and that that exists in your business now, but what we're looking for with the four-day week is to actually give you an ability to highlight that and recognise how you can change that in your business. And so, therefore, it's not – it isn't – isn't something that is is um, created by reducing work time. It is merely highlighted that it already exists. I, I love this level of detail, and especially the well, we're trading busyness for productivity. I think that's great. Uh, during this conversation, uh, you reminded me that in the late 90s, I owned a money management firm. I had about 20 traders working for me, and I had a three-day weekend or a four-day work week, and they got resentful about it because just the boss had it. And uh, everyone needed to trade their money uh, right at the market close. So I was stuck with giving them a four-day work week, and I said, well... Um, if you cross train each other, so let's say Charlotte's trading Fidelity and Tessa's trading uh, Schwab, let's say, if you can cross train each other and then you create the schedule to have the four day work week and you do all those details, go for it. I just don't want to have any errors or a lack of coverage on the client assets being traded. And they did it and they were so much more motivated, uh, which, which I saw that one coming, but what I never foresaw is that my entire organization got cross-trained for free and they got much more efficient because they knew if this brought in errors, we're going to pull it back. And they they just became amazing. So I think the, the unexpected positives 
are really interesting to discover. And, and I'm curious, um, what do you think this means for the future? There's a lot of moving parts with the four-day work week, which I think are fascinating. But what do you think this is going to do to our future? And I also want to remind some of our younger listeners that the world was not always a five-day work week with a weekend. Uh, the weekend is barely 100 years old, and it came from the unions. So well, it did. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's 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 it, it, the, the 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 five day work week is often attributed to Henry Ford in the late nineteen twenties, early nineteen thirties, um, and so he he brought. So here's the fascinating thing: he brought in the four uh, the five day work week because he he recognised that the best way for him to sell more cars is for people to have more time to use them. Because if you think about it, if you've just got Sunday off, then you're um you're heading to church and then you're just doing a few things. But if you've got a week Weekend, then you've got something there. But but in in general, the actual weekend is a construction post the Second World War, and so it become it is it is. But it but it's there. and then prior to that, it was a seven day work week, and so throughout history, and you can imagine when Henry Ford's going to his friends, yeah, I'm going to give people an extra day off. You are crazy. Will be what all of the bewhiskered men around him at Rotary or whatever it is that he belonged to, they'll have they would have all thought that he was crazy. Well, why are you doing that? That makes no sense at all. And so, but as a society, you know, as we're talking sort of seventy five years to hundred years later, why are we still working five days a week? It makes no sense. We've got all of this technology um, and change now. Work is important for us as a society. It's how we make money to trade with each other. It's how we keep roofs over our heads and food on the table. But we don't need to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week to do that. We don't need it to be happy. And actually there's some research out of Cambridge University around how much time we need to spend at work to actually feel fulfilled. And it's not 40 hours a week, I can tell you that now. So it's about actually understanding, you know, what is it that is enough? Um, and one of the things that I that I find really interesting and, and certainly plays into the conversation around the millennials and Gen Zs is that as humans, we've always wanted for our children to have better. We've always wanted them to have you know, better food, better housing, um, better education. Um, but actually in the 21st century, all we're giving our children is more. More food. Oh, hello, obesity epidemic. You know, more housing. You know, does everyone need their own bathroom? Um, you know, and, 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 and more education, and I'm sorry, Harvard, um, but, you know, at some point we actually got to work out how much education is necessary and then what is adding value to our ability to move forward. But the one thing that our young people want more of is time. And, and we should want that for them. As their parents, we should want that for them. I want, I mean, I've got young men that are, that are you know, newly married and hopefully at some point grandchildren are on the way, but I want them to have children. I want my men to have time to be great fathers. And I see in their decision-making 
that they will choose that over 70, 80 hour weeks. And we have to recognise as their employers that that's the workplace they want. So we, you know, we we ignore that at our peril. Absolutely. So, you know, as we close out this conversation, which has been fantastic, and um, I've done a, a lot of research around Gen Z just in the past uh, few months, because a lot of the organizations, companies that we work with, that is one, one of their number one questions is, I'm losing Gen Z at a rapid rate. What is it that they need? How do we develop them? How, you know, and when it comes down, what it comes down to is everything you just described, which is they want to understand their meaning and work. They want to understand how the work they do connects to the purpose of the business as well as the impact on society. And they want experiences in life. They want time to be able to experience life. So it definitely is, I think, for companies who are looking to attract Gen Z and, and, the kind of next generation of talent, it's important to think about this as an option. So as we close out, for a company interested in experimenting with the four-day work week, how would they go about doing that? Well, so we've got all sorts of resources on our website. So so go to that, just fourdayweek.com, nice and easy. Um, but we run pilot programs all of the time. Um, and so we will be launching our 2023 uh, pilot program um, schedule very shortly. We've got our UK research coming out in February. So that will be really interesting. Keep an eye out for that. And I'll make sure I supply that to, to your team so you can supply it through to your listeners as well. Um, because that's going to give you more data to talk to the bosses about or the board or the shareholders. And so therefore actually understanding that it is quite safe to do that. So uh, yes, yeah, so just, and you know, anybody wants to follow me on LinkedIn or anywhere like that, I'm more than happy. I, I just connect with everyone. Wonderful. So thank you so much, Charlotte. It was just, this was a fantastic conversation. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to hear future episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Happy at Work podcast and leave us a review with your thoughts. Are you interested in speaking on a future episode or want to collaborate with us? Let us know. You can send us an email at admin at happyatworkpodcast.com. And lastly, follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter for even more happiness. See you soon.